Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm joined by JP Mason. It's PJ and JP. Just the two of us this week again, or for a few weeks JP, until we get our third edition um, nestling their way back into life on Axom. But this is my only appearance of the week. 
because Celtic can't play in, so I'm not in the match day stuff. And of course, we've got a great team of contributors who are uh, holding the fort throughout the week. So plenty to discuss because it's the only opportunity you and I get to talk Celtic during the week. Um, so first and foremost, were you up at Pataudry? No, I wasn't. And uh, I was thinking about talking about this, actually. I saw Declan's... Uh, so my glasses are steaming up. I saw Declan's post there uh, about half an hour ago because Aberdeen have announced that vaccine passports won't be required at Pataudry because they expect the crowds to be less than 10,000. Whoever they're playing soon, I don't know if it's Hibs and Harps or something like that, but I, when I watched the game, I watched the game in McCool's on Sunday and I don't, uh, I don't normally go back to a, a pub where I've seen Celtic get beat. I don't know if you have superstitions like that. Well, I'll, I'll come back to that. I'll let you tell right. the story well, first. Well, well, I watched uh, a Celtic League game in there. Uh, do you remember? Well, of course, you remember. It's kind of it's it's now part of it's part of our history when when our unbeaten run ended at Tynecastle mm-hmm. uh, abruptly <laughs> with a four 0 scalping from Harps. Aye. When Jozo Zimanovic had probably one of the worst games I've ever seen from a Celtic centre half, and might be a reason why he's still not got a club. No disrespect to him, but I mean, uh, it was a terrible, terrible performance. I mean, Kyle Lafferty made him look like an amateur defender. It was horrible. Anyway, I watched that game in McCool's, and obviously I was kind of a bit uh, reticent to go back and watch another league game in there, but then I thought, I, I thought, right, I've got to get, I've just got to shake that off. You need and to I'm get the off your back. I was so relieved when Celtic got the proverbial monkey off the back as well. But what irked me was looking around the stands in Pataudry and seeing just seas of empty seats. Mm-hmm. I was just looking, what, what is going on here? What, how bizarre is this? And I texted somebody and said, uh, who was there, and I said, oh, t- please tell me there was tickets outside or anything like that, you know, like for the Celtic fans. And they said, no, there was just guys standing about with money in their hand looking for spares. So how bizarre a, 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 a sort of financial outlet is that, that you've got willing paying customers standing outside with literally money in the air, like pointing towards the ground going, we have money, we want to spend it. And yet there's empty seats all over the ground and the Celtic allocation is cut. It just is, it makes no sense to me. So unless you've been to, I don't know how many games you needed to have been to go, to go to Pataudry at the weekend. There was, maybe it was like 20 aways in the last two years or something like that. Not everybody has that. I mean, I'd like to think I'm a pretty committed Celtic fan, but not everybody has that amount of time to just spend going to away games all the time, you know? And I fully appreciate that those people should be given priority. As for the um, club class, whatever it is at Celtic, where you pay through the nose for a ticket and then you get guaranteed an away ticket, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with that because that's kind of elitist and it's kind of ruling out a section of the fans um, just because you've got more money. Mm. Um, doesn't really fit with the, well, doesn't really fit with the ethos of the club. So I was getting carried away there because I was quite angry. Um, <laughs> maybe you can tell a bit of passion, me. JP. A bit, of, a, a bit of passion. It is a bit of passion because it's a nonsense. It's an absolute yeah. nonsense. And couple that with Aberdeen being maniacs about their ticket allocation and not actually giving us, when they know that they're not going to have a full house, why can they not adjust that? I mean, if it's if it's something to do with the layout of the stadium or whatever, I don't know. If it's something to do with that, then maybe that's an argument. But there's got to be something that can be worked out there. 
Listen, I think you you brought up some tremendous points to start off or to kickstart our discussion because the the um, strap line is all around ticket allocation when uh, Rangers come calling to Celtic Park in the new year. So it all fits in. But there's a few things that you said I'm going to pick up on there, JP. Uh, the first one is Jozo Simunovic, because I did read somewhere the other week there when I was randomly checking out if he ever did find another club. Um, and according to Transfer Market, he's still without a club. And he's been without a club now for over well over a year, July the 1st, 2020. This is a player who, you know, Celtic almost sold to Torino, remember? And he, he failed a medical, yeah? Mm-hmm. And he's obviously, um, you know, he's got issues physically that is preventing him from passing medicals. I mean, there have been players in the past, famously John Hartson failed a medical at Celtic, failed a medical at Rangers, mm-hmm. yet um, Martin O'Neill still signed him. So, you know, it looks as though that's fallen him about. And I think that there was uh, certain periods, that game at Tynecastle withstanding, where I looked at him and thought he was just, you know, exactly what we needed in terms of a, a centre-half. I mean, when we're looking at the centre-halves we've got at the moment, and I'm pretty sure this will come up in our conversation, we don't have the style of player. I'm not going to say, you know, we, sh- we shouldn't have let him go, but we don't have the style of player, I don't think, uh, of a Simunovic in the team right now. I remember he impressed, he really did impress when he played against us uh, in Europe for Dynamo Zagreb. We've gone out and bought him. He was a young player. He's still only 27. I mean, you consider that he's been out of the game now for almost a year and a half. Um, you know, that's 25, 26 years of age. That saddens me. I take absolutely no pleasure in hearing that. Wikipedia uh, credits him as being a player uh, with East Bengal, but I don't know how credible that information is because sometimes these updates um, can be done randomly. JP transfer market normally is quite accurate. So that that was the first thing, Jojo Simunovic, and I'm, I'm guessing we will talk about centre-halves as the discussion goes on. The second one, as soon as you started speaking about that, that issue up at Petordre, I just think it's a wider issue of Scottish football. I just think that, you know, it goes back to, remember when Barry Hearn was, was talking about Scottish football teams being lazy um, because there shouldn't be empty seats in Scottish football grounds. Uh, and I remember, you know, listening to, it was on the Anfield Rap a couple of years ago, where Liverpool employed somebody to make sure that there were no empty seats at their football ground. And the guy, the, check, check it out, by the way, it was a brilliant interview. And he had the same attitude as Barry Hearn. He was like, there is absolutely no way, you, you know, you've got a fixture list at the beginning of the year. There is no way there should be an empty seat unless somebody buys a ticket and doesn't turn up. There should not be empty seats. It's poor planning. It's lazy. And I think that Scottish football was guilty of that. I remember a game, and it would have been one of the few games that Morton Rasmussen played for Celtic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he didn't start, I don't think, but for a spell, he partnered Robbie Keane up front against Dunfermline at East End Park. And Dunfermline, and I'm not having a dig just because it's the pars, they couldn't manage the amount of Celtic fans that were in the stadium to the point where they sold seats, JP, that were actually allocated for cameras for the actual TV cameras. So there was, you know, stanchions and it might have taken like half a dozen seats up just the way that it was positioned and it was all taped off. But the passes still sold the seats. So you had Celtic fans standing up beside the the burger joint at the back of the stand. It was just a shambles. And I remember the the Patrick Thistle game. 
again, I think Ross Rasmussen played that day as well. It was the return of Izagiri after his broken leg. It was a friendly at Fir Hill. The Green Brigade were there and everything. The place was absolutely mobbed and they ran out of pies after 20 minutes. So even when you give them an opportunity, GP, to make money, they don't know how to do it. And yeah. I think that's part of the issue up there. It's just poor, poor planning. A lot of fans of opposition clubs, and I hear a lot of views from opposition fans on the state of Scottish football, which goes out every night at six o'clock on our channel. And it's interesting because you see how other Scottish football fans view Celtic and view us as football fans, GP. It's actually really um, insightful, uh, but in a good way because the contributors are very balanced. And um, when I look at some of these clubs like Kilmarnock, resisted for a long, long time um, and given Celtic three stands, for example, even though we could you know, sell double or treble the tickets that we were selling previously, they didn't do that for, for many, many years, therefore refusing to make money. It's a bizarre situation, but it's Scottish football over the back. And I think that there's a few discussion points coming out. Your very first point that you made there, the first one is Celtic centre-halves. The other one is um, the lack of foresight in Scottish football and indeed the lack of foresight at Celtic. That will lead us on to the CEO scenario um, because Roger Mitchell has been talking quite candidly and openly about the CEO position uh, because a few Celtic blogs have recommended that maybe he should be uh, the guy to to take the reins at Celtic. So we'll talk about that as well. But uh, what we often do, JP, is we talk about the, the jersey that you've got hanging up on your bookshelf. And also, I noticed that there's another Tim just over your left shoulder. And it's Tim Burgess. Yeah, um, there, there he is, uh, the lead singer of the Charlatans. And just before we came on, I mentioned that I went through a period, probably about three or four, I would say four albums of the Charlatans where I was absolutely obsessed with the band. And I probably have seen the Charlatans live more than any other band. Um, just through that four years, I just basically seen them whenever it was possible. But there's a reason that's up there on your shelf. And I've seen some pictures. Um, he was at King Tut's over the last week. It was on Monday night, yeah. It was, it was quite surreal because the gig was supposed to be last year. And I remember, you know, when everything happened last year and all the gigs sort of just, you know, disappeared in an instant. I remember thinking when that gig got, you know, at the time, I don't know if it got cancelled or if it got postponed or if there was another date. But sometimes with these small gigs, you just think, oh, well, that'll just never happen now, you know, and I'll, yeah. never, I'll never get to see, I'll never, you know, be repping that show and looking after them. But I was so relieved when there was a new date put in and then, Lo and behold, the day actually happened on Monday night, and opened the back door, and and there was Tim Burgess and his band, and it was just it was great because I've been mean, I've been a fan since I was probably fifteen, sixteen, um, seen the Charlatans a couple of times live, not as many times as you. Headlining the Wickerman Festival was 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 up there with one of the best festival headliners I've ever seen, to be honest, because it was just the people there that day were all all about it and it was because it was a smaller festival it just seemed like it was a bit more concentrated and not as kind of you know you're only playing to the front part that are into you and then there's like a swathe of people at the back that could take you or leave you whereas like that festival was everybody was about it so so Tim was doing his uh, tour for his solo album I Love the New Sky um, and uh, that's the album and he, he, he signed a copy for me and it was just dead nice and his guy that he had with him, Nick, who was doing his merch, he's the guy that started Bands FC. All oh, right. Uh, 
Aye, and um, also came up with the, twi- the Twitter listening party with Tim and came up with that idea. And so they've just announced the 1,000th Twitter listening party featuring Blondie, actual Blondie. Debbie Harry is doing it with uh, Chris Stein. And uh, uh, quite quite something what, they, what, they, what they've achieved there because the Twitter listening parties, if nobody knows what I'm talking about throughout lockdown, they just got in touch with artists from small bands, you know, to, you know, Yoko Ono did, did one not that long ago with Sean Lennon. I, I, they did Imagine. Um, McCartney's done one. You know, it, it's absolutely insane. They just bring an album and then everybody goes and yep. listens to it at the same time and then everybody kind of tweets about it and you get part from the band and people that were associated with the band and all that and it's it's great. It's incredible. It was something of a phenomenon to the point where Twitter... Uh, even developed its own wee emoticon when you done the hashtag, didn't it? Um, so basically, everybody turns up at the same point on Tim's page. They all press play. Yeah, I'm doing that like it's a ghetto blaster, JP, because that's well, my hero. They all press play <laughs> on whatever the given album is. And as you say, I think they've done one way Primal Scream recently, so Bobby Gillespie was getting involved in the chat. Brilliant. But watch this space, because Axom are going to be ripping that off very soon. Um but we're actually adding to the experience. So watch this space. It will be on the channel. Um, Bands FC, yeah, that reminds me that uh, we're also um, selling Axom merchandise. So get onto axom.net and more merchandise will be uploaded onto the site very soon. The 1950s Shamrock Top was... um, around about that time, known as the political jersey. It was a controversial jersey because it nodded, it had the audacity, JP, to nod to our Irish heritage by having a shamrock um, emblazoned on the left breast that was the Celtic away jersey, one that has never been reproduced by the club. A few companies out there, um, notably Toffs, did do a a remake, um, but... You know, being a Jersey aficionado, I was never happy with it, particularly the crest. So Axom have actually done our own version. And we're not breaching any copyright laws because there's no um, trademarked crests or uh, names on it. Um, And it's an absolute cracker. So I haven't yet launched that, but that's going to be available on axom.net. And if you buy merch and you support the channel in that way and we get sponsorship, etc., it allows us to create even more content. JP, that's what it's all about. Um, Over your right shoulder, but on the left-hand side of the screen, is also a Scotland jersey. It's International Week, so it's always a slow news week when it comes to club football, but we continue to come out at 12.30 and we thank everybody for coming out and uh, getting involved in the chat and I'll be bringing up as many comments as possible. Um, what's your view on the international breaks? JP, are you like me, just uh, choking for Celtic to come back? Uh, aye, a wee bit, especially when I couldn't get a ticket for the weekend. Uh, to be fair... It would have been a, a very, very early start on Sunday morning, having got in from King Tut's at about 2am on Saturday because I worked a band, a very good band called The Joy Hotel. Um, Where are they band. from? Uh, they're, they're a collaborative uh, band from Glasgow. Um, very kind of... Uh, psych- well, Morgan from the band described them as psychedelic country uh, indie rock. I think that's what she said. Um but they're just a bunch of musicians who've all been in different bands and uh, they played on Saturday night and sold out King Cuts and it was it was a really good show. Kind of Pink Floyd at some times. Mm. I, I mean, that's a bit of a lofty comparison, but um, they were really good. 
So I, if I'd have got, if I'd have managed to get a ticket, it would have been, I would have been operating on about three or four hours sleep. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, after you've missed a game at the weekend, you're just, it's, I mean, if we'd been beat or drawn, then it would be even worse. But the fact that we won makes you buoyant going into this break because you've not, you've not, you're not coming off the back of defeat, and you've not got two weeks to sort of stew over at all. Having lost a game, the international games, uh, I, you know, I, I watch the Scotland games when I, when I can. That strip actually is. Um, I, I bought that from. Do you remember in some of the sort of centres in the nineties, you used to always get a football strip shop, like in Falkirk, yeah. it was the in shops, and they had at the back of the in shops, it was like a. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. A wee football strip shop, right? I mean, I spent a fortune in there. Got many. You know, they would normally sell the previous season strip the season after, so you would Mm -hmm. get it reduced. And while I was in the Forge one, a few years ago now and they had that and that's actually the, the player issue strip so it's the one that like fits tighter to the, yeah. to the to the body it's kind of it's made of like a different material somebody once told me and I don't know how true this is is that they make them like that tighter so that people can't grab your shirt you know like as easy and you know to pull you back that may be absolute nonsense I don't know but um, that's that strip anyway I got it I paid for, I think I paid about 60 quid for it and it's, I think knew it was worth about 120 or 130 or something like that. I'm all so. for technology with uh, clothing, but they are very unforgiving, these modern new age yeah. football tops, JP, back in the 90s uh, with the bagginess. It was yeah. like the, the fashions of the time uh, yeah. filtered into football. I mean, you see some pictures of Jackie McNamara or Brian McLaughlin, and they're wearing these tents, you know, <laughs> they're yeah. that wide. I Unbelievable. Imagine the sponsor almost like their their navel because they're just too bad. Totally. <laughs> nah, the international break. I mean, the only thing I really want to come out of this international break, other than a Scotland victory, is no injuries to Celtic players because absolutely we just can't. We're we're at a, a, a stage in the game it's where critical. we can't afford anything. Especially, I mean, if you're an international player, the chances are you're an important player. And therefore, you know, every one of our players that are going to win in the national duty are crucial to what we are doing and what we're trying to do. So, yeah, don't want that. There's a few that we'll talk about, actually, during this discussion. Um, we're still on the subject of Aberdeen last week. It is relevant because, obviously, we won't be playing another game until Motherwell away. However, um, looking at that game in isolation, JP, and the aftermath of that, and Ange Postacoglu... It was reminiscent of previous victories, important victories up at Petorja where the manager and the players have gone up to um, obviously thank the Celtic, the travelling Celtic support uh, for their support. I mean, this is a day when we went away. It was just uh, relentless. And Ange 
had his own celebration, which was quite a tense celebration. It was quite intense. Um, not quite like Ronnie with the Ronnie Roar. I'm not sure what the Ange Postacoglu celebration is going to be, but he's pumping the old crest. He's giving it all that. There was kind of shades of... Uh, various turning points in the past and you know as football fans looking at every nuance of Celtic JPR clutching onto the hope that this might be a turning point did you see enough because I'll tell you what it wasn't a vintage performance by Celtic but we ground out a result we got the result and at this moment in time that's all that matters you know the, the entertaining football is great but it's an extra um, as far as I'm concerned. If you want to win trophies, you want to win this league, you've got to get the results in the bag. And that's exactly what we did. Some people have said we won ugly and, and all these other football cliches, and we'll talk about it. But um, what was your thoughts overall? I mean, quite an uninspiring second half, but we had enough quality to nick the win. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously frustrating to watch because you're well aware of what Aberdeen were uh, up to before that game and everybody's going in thinking right, we, we cannot drop points against this team today because you know, you're know you pointing to all the other teams I mean St Mirren had just beat them 3-2 you know mm-hmm. so you're immediately thinking we have to we have to get come out of here with three points by hook or by crook and when Lewis Ferguson scored that goal which was I mean yeah I think probably Joe Hart should have been on it but it was just one of those ones where it kind of took a really awkward it came off his shoulder looped over Montgomery obviously being the height he was couldn't get to it and then it just dropped into the net but when that goal went in I was just thinking I don't care how we get three points from this we just we have to score a goal it doesn't but fortunately it was from a bit of quality and not like luck or anything it was Mm -hmm. a well crafted goal and uh, as other people you know, Declan and, and a, a few others have alluded to that it was it was desire that got the goal in the end because you've got Montgomery pushing into the box to make the cross, and then you've got uh, Jota going in and sort of showing a bit of tenacity to get to it and finish it. You know, it wasn't a you know, a, a, I mean, some of the goals he could have scored in the last few weeks would have been goal of the season. That's yeah. not the goal of the season, but it could turn out to be. An important one in, 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 in the sense that we needed that away win so badly. And, you know, for anybody to, you know, slag us off or slag Postacoglu off, as I've seen online, there's been snidey uh, tweets about, you know, celebrating being six or whatever. It's like, what, was he not allowed to celebrate a victory? No, is he just supposed to go back into his, go back into his dressing room and just sort of go, you know, well done, lads. You know, I, mean, I, think, I think given the pressure that he's been under of late and, Drawing with Dundee United and losing at Livingston to experience an away victory for the first time as Celtic manager, I have no issue with them celebrating, and I don't think it was over celebrating either. I mean, God, it was, I remember being up at Bitoji once where Martin O'Neill took the players into the dressing room and then came back out with them after I don't know five ten minutes because we'd been kept in as we usually are, and the Celtic fans were still. Um, I think we were singing, "We're going to win the league." Gone and, and just went on for about 15 minutes and the players all came back out and were just standing looking going it's amazing so I, I don't have a problem with celebrating 
Uh, no, because you're not celebrating being sixth in the league. You're celebrating a hard-won victory up at Pataudry, our first away win since the 14th of February last year. And let's be honest, JP, we don't have to justify ourselves to a lot of the people who are sniping aren't Celtic fans. Um, it's one of these things where you've got, got to keep your own house in order. That was an important win for Celtic. It was an important win for Ange Postecoglou, and yeah. we're entitled to uh, celebrate it for um, a week and a half whilst there's no club football but um, I mean when I, some of the names you mentioned there uh, talking about crafting the opening for the for the winner uh, Yota at the, the top of the week there was a discussion around um, whether the Yota Kyogo Abada front line could become uh, iconic it wasn't suggesting that each individual player would be an icon it was more of a iconic trio um, in the kind of same mould as the three amigos uh, who you know we still look fondly back on, but between the three of them, uh, only one trophy was won uh, by Van Hooydonk, Cadet, uh, and who's the other one? De Canio. Oh. Um and another guy that that was part of that team, Andy Tom, always seems to be in their shadow, even though he was you know a technically gifted footballer, absolutely. Uh, but of the three players I just mentioned there uh, from the 90s, we only won one cup. It was a Scottish Cup against Airdrie in 1995 when Pierre scored the winner. Uh, I didn't, um, the actual comparison was in, in, fa- in, in fact focusing on, on the trio. You know, we've got a front line there, which is very, very exciting to watch. Uh, we know all about Kyogo. Yota, for me, is in, in the few games that he's played has given us enough promise to suggest that we should already be looking at uh, the deal that would keep him here permanently. People think that you're being a bit premature with that, JP, but if you don't uh, make a, a decision on things like this, then you could be left uh, wondering what might have been. I mean, we've lost a lot of players who have come in on loan and made a big impact because perhaps we haven't uh, made the moves early enough. And I know we have, we do have an option on Yota, six and a half million quid, uh, we've got a first refusal on him come the end of his uh, one-year loan deal. So he's looking, at the moment, he's looking the real deal and he can give us that cover on the left or on the right. Um, but I think one of the things I was more impressed with is the fact that he was willing to dig in. I mean, there was a few coming-togethers between him um, and the highly-rated Aberdeen fullback, who, incidentally, I think, um, has a big, big future, uh, Calvin Ramsey. But you know, he needs to stop being a, a bit of a, a green-faced uh, wee right-back as well because he was coming across a wee bit like that. Handful of games, there is uh, discussions around him signing for one of the big clubs down south. Um, is he a player that Celtic should be looking at? I mean, these players have good games against us and then, you know, could fall off the radar uh, from time to time. I mean, there's already people questioning uh, Doig at Hibs now. You I know. saw that, yeah. Sort of saying, where's the where's the first? And that I think that's actually coming from Hibs fans as well. I've seen a few Hibs fans comments. I know quite a lot of Hibs fans, and you know, I, I don't really know if he's still considered the you know four million, five million pound player that they might have thought he was at one point last season or whatever. So yeah, I mean, he, he did play well. There's no question. I mean, Aberdeen pretty much played well within themselves. They didn't they didn't set the world on fire, but I mean, they, they obviously played a lot better than they have done in previous weeks uh, because we didn't give them a hiding, you know. Um, if they had been playing like they had done in previous weeks, then the chances are we would have. But I mean, it's quite, it's always the same when, when Celtic or 
well, maybe not Rangers. Sometimes they, they they don't turn up against Rangers. There's this myth that Aberdeen play well against Rangers when they don't really. <laughs> like I, mean, I can't remember it, but uh, uh, I think I think they played well as a as a whole. Scott Brown, weird as anything, seen Scott Brown playing against Celtic. That that is one of the strangest things I think I've ever seen. I was just you know, especially when he was jousting with beat on at a corner. I mean, he nearly scored. God, that header. That had gone in. I mean, I don't. I'm trying try to imagine what would have happened. Would they have ran over and done the Bruni? Would they? Would they like? Would they have not celebrated? You know, it was that close to a goal. You know, you're thinking, what's the next step? Um, but aye, it was. Uh, it was. It was. It was. A, I thought it was a good game. Um, and just uh, just on the ticket thing, I'm not expecting Aberdeen to give us three stands like Livingston or anything crazy like that. But but surely there's got to be a happy medium for the next time we go up there because. I mean, I've not been up there for about four years. The last time I was there was the Tierney goal when he ran low into the, the stadium to celebrate. Um, and a mixture of that has been being away or whatever, but then there's also been times I've been here and just you can't get a ticket because of this allocation thing. So hopefully it can be worked out. And I guess that goes to towards the the headline today about Rangers and what we do with that. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Well, let's have a wee chat about it because, as I've said, I, I just think that there's so much um, in terms of passion and there's such a fan base for Scottish football, JP, that it's completely mismanaged by most clubs, let's be honest. I mean, um, I used to uh, keep tabs on a, a Twitter follower who would give you the, the European figures in terms of population and fan base and percentage of which. And Scottish football was always really, really high in that table, you know, uh, when you look at, you know, the, the actual population of the country. So it's a, it's one of these things that instead of embracing, I think that football clubs are out of touch and that, that's across the board and Celtic in many, many ways are part of that issue. We find ourselves now, um, after the announcement that the red zones are going to be removed and uh, away fans will be uh, allowed back into stadiums as normal. And we've got to question what is the normal now between Celtic and Rangers when it comes to the fixture. So the next game um, will be Celtic versus Rangers on the 2nd of January at Celtic Park. And I'm looking at that thinking, well, Obviously, Rangers did what they did last time round at Ibrox, whereby we were promised this reduced allocation, which I think must be the minimum, JP, because uh, the, the rules state that the away club should be given, under normal circumstances, a reasonable amount of tickets. And I'm guessing that Rangers have taken that right to the nth degree um, and we've found out that the reasonable or the bare minimum that can be given is 750. And that was what was promised when we played them last time round at Ibrox, the tickets were printed up and they were sitting up at Celtic Park, the club informs us. And Rangers made a very late shout to suggest that, no, you're not getting any tickets. So obviously it was a full house at Ibrox and it was all Rangers fans who were in attendance. It's not the first time Celtic fans have been locked out at Ibrox. JP, um, those of a certain vintage will remember back in the 90s when it was um, the same scenario. So there was quite a lot of things around that that I thought were good discussion points. The first one was, it was a fantastic opportunity, JP, for Dominic Mackay, because this is going to feed into the CEO discussion we're going to have. Dominic Mackay had an opportunity there to stand up for the Celtic support and actually to nail his name to the mast and say, listen, I'm not going to allow Celtic to be pushed around here. I'm going to stand up for the fans. He didn't do that. 
Rangers were allowed to do whatever they pleased during that scenario. And the question, I guess, is, has this set a precedent? Because they had already set one by allocating us a reduced ticket allocation, and that was repaid. And Celtic give them a reduced ticket allocation. Mm. Um, this is what I was talking about earlier on. You get a good view of other football fans' uh, perceptions of Celtic and obviously the goings-on between Celtic and Rangers. And I think that the neutral fan reckons that um, the absence of the normal allocation is affecting the atmosphere of the game. So first and foremost, I'll ask you as a Celtic fan, would you agree with that? 100%. Yeah, and it's not just neutral. Like Many Rangers-affiliated people have said the exact same thing. Ali McCoist, for one. You know, I've heard him talking about it and he thinks it's a nonsense. I'm pretty sure Barry Ferguson's on record as saying it as yeah. well. You know, yeah. um, not that I normally listen to what these guys say, but I mean, they're talking about something that involves me essentially because I would be there as a fan of Celtic and have been there as a fan of Celtic. I've not been able to get a ticket for Ibrox since, well, out with COVID. I've not been able to get a ticket for Ibrox since Eddie's 3 2. Mm. Uh, 10 men game because that's after, after that they cut the allocation and you're now you're then into the you know the the sort of top points scorers your Paul the Tims your whoever else you know guys that have been going week in week out for years not missing games totally get that they should get the tickets but then you're left with the wider Celtic support or away support who've got absolutely no chance they're locked out and uh but in regards to this scenario, I think, and I'm, I'm not just saying this, you know, as a, as a way to get one back at them or anything like that, but I mean, it has to be the case that we don't give them any tickets for the next game. They had the advantage of a full house, mm-hmm. full house of Rangers fans against a very inexperienced Celtic side who, you know, actually came away with a bit of respect. You know, we didn't get trounced. We had been trounced the last time we were there. It was pretty horrible watching, like, you know, a four, was it 4 0, 4 1? I can't, it was 4 0. It was 4 1, and, and it was just that realization of how things had flipped so dramatically, JP, yeah. from, you know, those days not that long ago where we were giving them humpings home and away to the oh. point where, you know, it really was a case of what, how much is it going to be today? And yeah. that was the, that was a massive uh, realization that the tables had turned dramatically. Yeah, especially having to come on here and talk about it afterwards, and uh, yeah. you know, having sat and watched it, you know, on your own in a flat, and it was an it was an empty stadium. Do you know what I mean? It just everything about that felt so weird. Like if it didn't feel weird enough anyway with the result, the actual circumstances in which you were watching the game just made it feel all the more strange. I just found it really unsettling. Um, so this time, Celtic Park. They've had an advantage of a full house of their own fans. We should be, to level that up, we should have that advantage. What happens after that is then between the clubs. I I, I don't think that they're going to renege because, let's face it, they don't, they don't, uh, their, 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 their saying or their motto is no surrender. So what, what chance have we got if we're going to try and get tickets back for that for that game? Unless somebody with a sensible head comes in and goes, right, this is ridiculous. Let's do this. Let's 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 go back to how it was. We've got people on both sides who all think that this is how it should be, but yet you're going to continue with this. Uh, 
It's, you know, when you're talking about the advantage, yes, there has been um, the unfair advantage of that one fixture where our fans weren't there, JP. So I absolutely get that. Um, I think it's an opportunity for both clubs to say, you know what, you know, this reduced capacity, the, the reduced allocation rather, is 750 to 800 tickets. Let's uh, let's bury that. Let's go back to what it was. Uh, yeah. Let's ensure that Celtic fans get the broom loan. And let's return um, to a, a situation. We don't want to be pals, JP, but it's just about, you know, that's balance and that's just being sensible for their allocation to return to what it was and similarly for ours to return to what it was. What they've also got to realise is that as a spectacle, we've been speaking, it actually ties into what we spoke about at the top of the show. As a spectacle, when you're looking at a brand when, when Scottish football is viewed as a brand, the only thing that any company, any broadcaster, any sponsor is looking at is the Celtic versus Rangers derby. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You know, how saleable would Scottish football be? And it's no disrespect, it's just a fact. It's always been a fact. Um, pre-2012, post-2012, that is what broadcasters are interested in. It's what sponsors are interested in. Is that that brand being damaged? And and that is something that the clubs have to look at as well because when you're looking at sponsorship and broadcasting within Scottish football, it is massive. It's a huge part of the consideration when you're looking at budgeting for that year. Um, and therefore, I just think it just needs that sensible head. But it seems as though the club's at the loggerheads on this. Even if Celtic were to suggest it, JP, I don't think it would be taken on board. No, no. I just think it's depriving, not only is it depriving uh, our fans of being able to go to Ibrox and watch a game. I know some people don't go out of principle or whatever. Um, you know, I, I've been quite a few times and, and I've seen us win there. I've seen us lose there. It's just it's depriving their fans as well. I mean, of an opportunity of going to Celtic Park and seeing a goal or a win, you know, or whatever, you know. Like, I mean, they've they've obviously beaten us at Celtic Park now for the first time in however long, quite regular. Well, not regularly, but a couple of times recently, they've beaten us. They've deprived their fans of that moment, you know. Let, let take away the rivalry. They've deprived their fans of enjoying a moment because of their ridiculous decision. And and then it's a, and so they're, 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 I'm surely their fans are like, well, we want to go to that game. Can you not just sort this out? We want to go to that game. We want to see us score against them if we're if we're going to score against them. I mean, I hope that isn't the case. Obviously, when when they do come, God forbid. But there is an opportunity, and if you're looking at it as as a club responsible for their fans, they're not doing their fans um, a solid. No, no, it's not, it's not the right word. They're not doing their fans. Uh, justice by giving them tickets for that game because they should be looking after their fans and that is not what they're doing. All they're thinking about is depriving us of mm-hmm. tickets for, for their ground. They're not thinking about what they're depriving their own fans of yeah. because there's loads of guys that are doing the exact same thing as we are, going to Rangers games every week, week in, week out, and then it comes to Celtic Park and they have the exact same scramble um, for tickets and it's just stupid. <laughs> 
It is, but a lot within uh, Scottish football could be put into that category, JP. Um, loads of comments coming through. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. We appreciate that it is an international break as Tosh the Coglu Jr. Malone comes in to remind us it is. So there's less to talk about in the world of Celtic, but the 12.30 bulletin stays where it is. We come on every single day and we talk about it. Now, this isn't the... Um, the full Buna, if you like, in terms of a Celtic state of mind. This is our daily bulletin. We create other content which is up on the channel. Um, we have another show called the Axon Re- uh, Retrospective that looks at the kind of historical elements of the club, JP. So if we get somebody in for an interview, for example, or we want to look at a new Celtic release. So we spoke about the Johnny Doyle book recently. This weekend, uh, you will be um, able to watch an interview that I did a wee while back with Billy Stark, the centenary hero, Billy Stark, one of the nicest men on the planet, a big friend of the late, great Tommy Burns. And I met him up at Hamden a while back. We've done an interview. It's going to be available on in full on the channel for the first time. And uh, Kevin Graham's Screamer Celica is back. We recorded the rebooted version of that show, fully filmed, fully produced by our wizard in the studio, Kelvin. And that's going to be coming out very soon as well. He's mixing it up a bit. Um, it's you know, he's going to be speaking to Johnny Proctor, who's an author. And Johnny wrote a, a trilogy of books which covers 1990, 1996 and the noughties. And so they delve into those eras, JP. Uh, the only uh, thing that's a wee bit different is Johnny's a Dundee United fan. So they talk about memories of those eras between Celtic and Dundee United. It's, uh, it, you cannot miss it. It's tremendous. So that's coming on the channel as well. Uh, so what we keep reminding you to do is get onto the YouTube channel and subscribe. And just by subscribing, clicking on the subscribe button, you go into monthly prize draws. This month, JP signed Bobby Lennox print in a frame. Beautifully done. You can even come to the studio to pick it up. So get subscribing. Oh, and there's also an Etiv watch. It's just over there, but I can't reach it. But I will show you at some point in detail this watch um, that one of our sponsors has provided and we'll be giving that away as well. It's a cracking watch, by the way. It would be a lovely gift for Christmas. So what else is coming through? Let's have a look. Richie Rich comes in to remind us also that actually uh, we are reverting back to the rules, uh, normality whereby we will actually end up getting fined if we don't uh, give the away fans tickets. But then I think there was a breach of the rules the last time because Rangers were making um, their own rules up by saying Celtic need to give us assurances that we'll get tickets for the 2nd of January. Until this week's announcement, we couldn't give them that because we didn't know what the situation was going to be with the red zones. Uh, Jake Ryan comes in with Liam Scales called up to the Ireland squad yet and claims he's not up to speed. He's been called up yet, he's not up to speed. He's been playing for the Rovers all summer and in Europe. All signs point to Ange not having faith in Scales, or um, perhaps he wasn't an Ange signing. Um, You mentioned Montgomery earlier, and I said we were going to talk about the three players who were involved in the winning goal. Montgomery, I thought... Played an absolute blinder with that pass. It was a cracking pass, really inviting uh, Yota to get anything on the end of it. Brilliant. Really, really well done. And I said after the game that I, I like Montgomery far more offensively. I mm. really do. I mean, see when he goes for a run, JP glides past players. He's got a real knack of doing that. Uh, he glides past players. I think he's a very, very talented young man, but I'm not convinced he's a left back. I really am not convinced he's a left back. We've heard that Greg Taylor's going to be out until November. Do you stick with, with, with young Monty 
Or does Scales get a run? I mean, I know every game at the moment is a must win. We're going to Fur Park next. It's going to be tough. Motherwell are doing really well. Do you stick with Montgomery? Um, it would seem that he would probably stick with Montgomery, given that he put him in the team on Sunday. But I, I think uh, maybe Scales getting called up is a good thing because he'll be able to take a look at him if he gets a game for Ireland. I don't know if he will get a game for Ireland or not. I don't know what their uh, setup is like and wh- where they're at in terms of who plays where and when. Um, but I think, yeah, I think he... The, the skills thing's weird because it, it seems like, as the guy said in the comment there, the skills was playing for Shamrock Rovers before he arrived. It's not as if he's been out and had no pre-season, no games... And then he's come to us and it's just like, you know, bench, what, 15, 20 minutes against Wraith Rovers or whatever it was. So I I, I, I would hope that being away with, with the international team would lead them towards getting a getting a chance to play again. It just seems strange that he wouldn't because he seems like a, not experienced, but he's got more experience than Montgomery. Mm. And I, I I wouldn't want the pressure to sort of be thrown all onto Montgomery to be like, you need to perform week in, week out. You know, it's all on you. Because what age is Montgomery? Is he 18, 19? I was going to say 19. I'll double check while you're talking there. But I just think there was a comment made by Ange Postacoglu, um where he was talking about Ralston and he said, you know, he can't play 50, 60 games a season. I think, yeah, we've got to be very careful with Adam Montgomery. He's only 19. It's only 19. Mm. Uh, we, we really need to be careful of that as well. Yeah, give him enough game time, JP, but make sure we're not going to burn him out. I like yeah. Scales' physicality. I know we only saw him for 15, 20 minutes against Wraith Rovers. I just liked his physicality. He was confident on the ball. I'd like him to get the next challenge in a Celtic jersey because I know that we were playing a championship club that night and I'd like to see him, um, you know, ideally introduced at a game uh, at home where maybe we're a goal or two up and we can bring him in and, and edge him in like that because I do have concerns about uh, the step up. There is a, a step up. I know he's been playing European football, but I do feel it's a, big, a wee bit strange we've not seen more of him. There's a few comments coming through saying that uh, we are being infiltrated on the comment section by uh, fans of another club. Now, a lot of people don't actually think I'm in the studio with anybody and I've got an imaginary friend, but I'm going to turn over to my right here and ask... Kelvin, if he can switch on subscriber commenting only, because that's what we do. Uh, unfortunately, we can't stick it on as a default setting. So every single time, we need to remember to do that. And Kelvin does exist and he has just switched it on. So uh, we shouldn't get any more comments of that ilk. Uh, and the final man who was involved in that move, JP, Tommy Rogic. Now, we spent a fair bit of time leading up to the game talking about how I, I certainly don't feel that, that Roger and Turnbull can be utilised as starters in the same team. I think we've only got room for one of those guys, one of those number 10s, if you like. I don't think Turnbull's a number eight uh, beside Callum McGregor. I think he's your number 10. And if that's the case, it's between him and Roger. Whoever's on form and fit starts the game. I don't think we can start with a pair of them. And then Roger comes in. And it's a bit of magic, really, that crafts open that chance. What's your take on this, the Tommy Rogic and David Turnbull debate? Well, I mean, I don't, I didn't see or watch a lot of David Turnbull for Motherwell before he signed for us. I know he was obviously injured for quite a number of months uh, in that time. But I mean, he, he was a number ten for Motherwell, right? So why why would we suddenly try and change him into a different type of midfielder? 
at Celtic just because we're short on numbers. I think that's a bit unfair. It's kind of like asking a, a striker to play right back or something like that. I know it's still in the midfield, but it's not where he can properly influence the game or you know maximise his impact in the game. Rogic has, has been frustrated. Rogic is the type of guy that like that came off for him on Sunday. There's so many other things that he's done in recent times that could have come off, but they just haven't. And then you see him sort of getting, picking himself up off the ground and jogging back and you're just like, right, okay, you know, that nearly worked, but it didn't work. So, you know, give us something else, you know, because he'll, somebody um, replied to a tweet of a guy doing all this fancy uh, trickery, uh, feet work trickery and said, Tom Rogic does this about three times a game. And he does, he does do magic stuff, but not it's not not often that it actually comes to anything. I've seen him do a lot of great stuff recently, but we've been beaten or we've drawn or whatever, you know. So it's all it's all very well, you know, like absolutely skinning somebody or keeping the ball while you're on the ground and then getting back up and then running away with it. But you know, if you just hit a brick wall when you run away with it, then all of that was for nothing. So I mean, that was like a proper. Tom Rogic, vision, end product, good ball, goal. You know, that's what we want to see from him mm-hmm. uh, more. And, you know, hopefully we do see that more going forward And if he's, you know, played in the right balance of midfield because I think that's maybe what's been affecting his performance, possibly. Either that or he's just not up to, you know, repeated game, game after game. As people have said as well, you know, they, they don't expect Tom Rogic to play two games a week. I think there's a combination here, um, and I, I think it was really evident, you know, when we were playing Bayer Leverkusen that the system that we play um, doesn't allow for the luxury of Tom Rogic. I think that there are things he does with the football. It's like he's got a magnetic toe at times. That ball doesn't leave him, and nobody else in the park can do it. But it doesn't happen that often, and when it does happen, it doesn't always result and us creating a chance, JP, which is exactly what you say. When it comes off, it looks absolutely magnificent. Yeah. But the way that we've kind of shaped this up with Angie's philosophy and, he, and, his, and his tactics, as well as his philosophy, um, is that we need an engine room. We actually really need an engine room. And at the moment, when you look at the, the midfield, and the reason we need an engine room is because of the high press and the, the attacking to defensive transition and the fact that we're very poor at that transition because we don't have the players that track back and win the ball quickly, like Ryan Christie, who was brilliant at that. Mm-hmm. Moel Yanusi was very good at it as well. For as much as I love Abada and, and Yota, I don't think they're that great at it, to be honest. Um, Turnbull is probably better at it than, than Rogic. Rogic's not very good at it at all. So what you've been left with is Callum McGregor doing a lot of that work and he needs someone else in there with him um, to be able to deal with that that transition when the attacks break down. I don't think it helps when you've got inverted fullbacks because it leaves a lot of space, obviously, behind them in the flanks, and that's why we've seen so much occasions where the, the, the two centre-halves have been exposed. So for that reason, I think that I would go for Turnbull as, as your number 10. I would keep Rogic as that weapon on the bench. I think he's he's very handy. And of course... If Turnbull's form dips or he needs a, a wee rest because he can't play 50, 60 games a season, then you've got that option of flipping it between him and, and Rogic. And I think that's the way we should utilise those two players. McGregor needs someday partnering him as someone who I think is going to be a wee bit more of a 
a deep-sitting midfielder, the defensive qualities of which would need to be um, impressive. And I think that McCarthy was probably bought as that player, mm. but he's not been quite fit enough to be playing the game, uh, you know, starting two games a week. And he's not impressed really that much, to be honest with you. I think Dundee United was disappointing for other reasons because he got injured. Mm. But he, for me, would be the, the first pick when fit. But what we did is we brought in near Beaton. And he played that number six role. And I thought he was pretty effective. Like you said earlier, it was strange to see him coming up against Bruni. He should have scored a header himself. Yeah. He should have burst the net with that. Um, but I think he played okay. He played fairly well in that position. Do you think that Postacoglu has recognised that and is going to continue to play him in that number six role? Also gives McGregor a wee bit more freedom. Well, I was led to believe that Ange Postacoglu liked to beat on <laughs> early on uh, as a centre-back you know which obviously we're all glad that experiment is over because he's not a centre-back there's no way you can tell me that I don't you can chuck as many stats at me as you like but there's no way that Nier Beaton's a centre-half I have no issue with Nier Beaton playing centre midfield I, I was actually quite glad to see him come in because he's definitely a better option than Sorrow I think you know he's he's more experienced. He's more calm in the ball. Certainly, don't think he's the answer going forward. And I don't think he's going to you know. Well, as I'm saying this now, I don't think he's going to suddenly rack up. You know, if you consider the amount of appearances he's made over his eight years at Celtic, mm. it would be a wee bit mad or weird if he suddenly you know played like thirty or forty games this season, having never done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, but for for now, absolutely happy for him to come in and, and do a job that is ultimately why we're paying him thousands of pounds a week let's not forget that you know it's not yeah. like he's, it's not like he's there as like a as a tourist or anything like that you know he's 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 a paid member of the squad and you know it's probably about time that he earned some of that because no you're right he's not he's not a, a water carrier is he I mean yeah. he's one of the highest earners due to the fact that he's been here yeah. for eight years now just over eight years and when you look at the performances that he's had this season it's been a mixed bag I think mm. that the Michelin thing left a bad taste in many Celtic fans mouths due yeah. to the fact that he let us down that night mm. simple as that and that was during a game where we needed our experienced players to do anything but that Mm. Um, he's made 241 appearances for Celtic over an eight-year period. Now, that starts and substitute appearances, JP. That's an average of 30 a year. So like you say, you're not expecting him to, uh, to all of a sudden start 40 or 50 games when he's he's accumulated and amassed 30 appearances a year. And quite a lot of them were substitute appearances as well. Um, there's a few other areas of the park that I'm sure will become discussion points in the weeks to come. But one thing I wanted to raise, you know, you mentioned Sorrow there. Sorrow's fallen off the face of the earth. Um, he's not been in the squads. And neither has Ball and Golly. Now, hmm. I find this strange and, you know, I think it needs to be questioned, not because I think Ball and Golly should be playing left back for Celtic, but he was completely out of the picture. He wasn't in the squads. He wasn't named in the Europa League squad, right? So you're kind of thinking, well, he's not going to be in the plans. All of a sudden, he jumps from what would have been what fourth choice left back to first choice left back against Livingston, mm-hmm. and then back to fourth choice left back. I find that a, a little bizarre. JP, can you think of the reasoning behind that? 
absolutely not. No, I really, really don't get it. It was, it was almost as if like, was that just him giving him a chance? Had they, had they been speaking to the manager and saying, look, give me a chance. I'll, I'll show you what I can do or whatever. I, who knows? It would be interesting to be able to ask the manager that question. You know, like I'm, if you know, there's another opportunity to speak to him as a as a, a fan, yeah. and just say, look, you know, you brought ball and volley back for Livingston. Can can I ask why? What was the rationale? <laughs> what was the rationale behind that? Because he's, you know, he was so far out of the picture for well, every he didn't he hadn't kicked the ball since the whole going to Spain. Debacle, well, Kilmarnock was his last game. I know that yeah. he made an appearance or two pre-season, JP, but yeah. competitively, that Kilmarnock yeah. game was his last appearance for Celtic. Yeah, so what what happened to suddenly, uh, you know, I know he then got, wait, did he go out on loan after? He did. Yeah, he did. He went to uh, to Turkey, didn't he? He ended up playing in the Champions League. <laughs> Against Man United. <laughs> I did not beat Man United, actually. So, um I so I, I I don't I don't understand the the bone goalie thing at all. It seems so strange that he would be that far out of the picture and then not just brought back in to be on the bench, brought back in to start what was and is you know a vital every league game is vital difficult um, fixture. Yeah, really d- tough fixture where we haven't won for ages. Like, was it something to do with the pitch? Was it something to do with the opponent? You know, had they identified something in the opponent that they thought ball and goalie could exploit? Who knows? Like, can I just... speculate? Yeah, if I may. Yeah, I, I think that Ange Postecoglou is maximising his squad, mm-hmm. and he's had a look at. He said that we look at bowling golly during the preseason, and he thought perhaps that uh, you know it would be a good idea to rest Montgomery. Going back to the comments that he made about Ralston, he's a young boy, can he play fifty, sixty games? Mm-hmm. He needs backup. So your other option at that point is bowling golly. So he's played them, and he probably wouldn't have been disappointed with his performance. I think overall Celtic were really poor, but Ball and Golly wasn't any more poor than various other players on the park. It's not as though he was a four and everybody else was a six. No, and I'm wondering if there's been influence from elsewhere within the club mm. after that because he's just disappeared. I'm speculating. Mm. You're allowed to speculate from time to time. No, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. You know, I mean, it's, I, I, I wonder. Is he a popular person among the players? I mean, he, he definitely was amongst the you know the, the, the bench guys, obviously because they're like you know pals. I've seen like comments on his Instagram. You know, I remember even not long after the the whole drama with him going away, he posted a picture about being in Turkey and all these uh, Celtic players who like I'm talking about like Karamoko Dembele, Odson Edward. We're all commenting on his Instagram with like fire emojis and going, oh, on you go, bro, and all that. I'm like, are you not raging at the fact that he caused this absolute chaos for our club by doing what he did? Completely disrespectful. And also, not just that, more importantly, risking people's lives, you know, and essentially by not, you know, uh, admitting that he'd been away and potentially could have been exposed to the virus or whatever. I mean, it's just, it was, it was so strange to me. And I commented to a friend about that and, you know, they said, well, you know, they don't, they don't care. You know, they, no. don't, they, they don't, they don't care. So I don't know what his standing is right now in the Celtic squad, whether or not the, the, the players there have time for him or don't. 
I don't know what he's like as a person. We've never really heard from him as a Celtic player. He's never really spoken in interviews. Don't really know anything about him. Um, Maybe the club should allow us a, a press conference with Ball and Golly. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, to find That'd out. Good. By uh, the way, the, the, you listen, I think you make a good point saying that if you get the opportunity to speak to Ange Postecoglou, we were obviously given that um, opportunity with his introductory press conference that was infamous um, for other reasons. We've never had the opportunity since then. But the reason I bring it up, JP, is it was such a bizarre appearance, reappearance, and then a way back to your darkened room. Because he's a player that can't play for the B team, right? Mm-hmm. He's a player that is on a decent enough wage. If you buy somebody for three and a half million quid, they'll be on a decent enough wage. You're on a first team player's wage. And we're not utilising them. We've got a tool there that we're not using. And I am speculating, but the the big issue isn't ball and golly. The big, in, um, the big issue would be if there is interference away from the football department. And the reason I'm speculating is because we know there's been interference outside of the football department for years at Celtic. And I'm just yeah. hoping it is not continuing. I'm I'm really hoping the same because that was the one thing last year that we spoke about quite a lot on here that, you know, we didn't want we didn't want people meddling or interfering in a, a, an area of the club that wasn't really any of their business, you know. Uh, and you know, we were talking about bringing a new manager and the one thing that we were all saying was that we wanted them to have full control over the football situation. And if people are, you know, forcing the hands of, of, of the manager to play players or not play players or things like that, you know, that is just the, 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 the worst scenario. And I'm sure there's probably people watching this that are going, oh, that's exactly what's happening. That's speculation on their part because they don't know. But... There's so much previous with Celtic that you would think that it's certainly a possibility. It's not something we completely rule out. Yeah, and again, the reason I bring it up, because I know that if you make some outlandish comment without any basis other than the fact that you're speculating, uh, people have an issue with that. Well, there's a couple of other examples. Whose decision was it to tear up Olivier and Cham's contract when we're short in midfield? Hmm. And it's going to cost the club money to get rid of the player. Love him or loathe him. Hmm. As much of a you know, some some people might think he was a bad influence in the dressing room. As much of a, a, an influence as he may have been, he technically is a very gifted footballer in a position where we are lacking. Whose decision was it, and I'm not saying it was the wrong decision, to give Lee Griffiths a one-year contract and then punt him a few weeks later because of his behaviour? Mm. I'm, I'm merely asking the question, uh, because if it is interference outside of the football department, JP then nothing seems to have changed and uh, we are talking about change and I know that we're over the one hour mark but uh, let's run with the CEO question anyway Charlie McGarvey brings it up well Lowell and Desmond are there undermining the CEO it doesn't matter who they appoint and no CEO worth his salt is going to accept that well I thought we had one worth his salt when we appointed Dominic Mackay so you know the fact that we now have someone who has been promoted uh, on an interim basis internally, um, is that something that you think is going to be a permanent move? Uh, it seems to me, GP, that we wouldn't let an outsider back in on such a lofty position. 
it, well, that would that would you, you could certainly draw that conclusion from the little that we know about the whole situation. You know, we're still all completely in the dark about why Dominic Mackay was there and then wasn't there. You know, we don't know. He's not allowed to say probably because of a, a you know a, a what's the what's the clause that you put in um, confidentiality disclosure. Yeah, yeah disclosure. The NDA. Yeah. Yeah, he'll not be allowed to say anything. So we don't know from his side what happened. There hasn't been any leaks of any validity or, or certainty about about what happened. So we're all just left wondering why why that happened and what the what the future holds for that position because there was so much song and dance made about him coming in and the position and how important it was and you know, how he was in charge of what was going to be changed at Celtic and everything else. Does that such does that position suddenly not have importance anymore because because he's not there? Like I mean I'm pretty sure it's still a massively important role mm-hmm. that can he just be given to somebody that's within the club just because they've been there for a while or because they they're they're pals or whatever, you know, there can't be that sort of Nepotism, is that the right word? It is, and I think, you know, as good a, a candidate as Michael Nicholson is, I think there's always going to be a suspicious kind of eye on that appointment due to the, the, the nature of this nepotistic kind of attitude that Celtic yeah. have. But the thing for me was the time was right to bring in a fresh set of eyes because Peter Lowell is successful on the balance sheet as Celtic had been and obviously on the trophy front. It was also during a, a period of huge upheaval in Scottish football with the demise of Rangers, JP. And I think that, um, you know, the the situation Celtic were in and the one that was overseen by Peter Lowell was quite unique in, in the fact that they were without their biggest rivals for the first time in over 100 years. And once that challenge re-emerged, I think that you required a different approach to that. And you had to take stock of what it was you wanted for Celtic. Did you want Celtic to be the top dogs in Scottish football? Or indeed, did you want to have a vision on a European um, basis? And I think that, interestingly enough, and I I would um, ask anybody to to go back on Axom's back catalogue that you'll find on YouTube and listen to the interview I did with Roger Mitchell about a year and a half ago. And we spoke about Scottish football and we spoke about Celtic. Uh, And I think that, Certainly what he says is something more in keeping with what I want for Celtic in terms of a vision on a European level, JP. I never hear Celtic Football Club speaking like that. What you see year on year is a statement that comes out when we obviously fill the accounts and you get the lovely package coming through your door if you're a shareholder. And uh, the statement this year was talking about... um, something of an achievement coming second in Scottish football. It was talking about Celtic's strategy as, as being bringing in players, developing them and then making money off them. I never saw anything on there in terms of being a European superpower. Um, we don't even make a whimper in Europe. And I just think that if someone comes in to try and restructure the club and has a modern view of what football is and what Celtic can achieve on a worldwide level, then it would be far clearer than it has been for the last 20 years. Mm. I think I think they'll be leaving... I don't think they're going to do anything on that front until the end of the season. I, I think they're going to just try and ride it out like they tried to ride out the Neil Lennon situation last season. I think they're going to try and ride this out and just and basically close their eyes and hope for the best. And I, that is a horrendous strategy to have, but I, I don't really know. I, I can't offer an alternative, but then I'm not on a highly paid 
uh, salary to make those decisions they are and uh, you know time will tell what what the right one is and what the wrong one is I read a good uh, article around the success of Park when he was bringing in players and obviously Celtic were making a huge profit on many of them, not all of them. And I think that year I ended with the departure of Ryan Christie, who was the kind of last from that stock, Mm. JP. And you've got to look at, right, what is our strategy in terms of recruitment? It's all fine and well saying we buy young and sell uh, at a profit. But that became fewer and further between, uh, you know, the more players we were bringing in. In the last couple of years, the recruitment policy has been shambolic at best. I think this season we've seen a wee bit more quality coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's part of the overview. That's part of the structure and the modernisation that we were hearing from Dom Mackay. Uh, he's no longer at the club. and the, the club have been silent on where we're going from here. They, they don't tell season ticket holders like you and me or shareholders like many of our listeners what the plan is. You know, you get your your annual statement coming out in a nice glossy uh, document to say one of our achievements this year was finishing second. And it's not good enough. And we need a different approach. And it's lazy. Um, I think it really is complacent uh, because Celtic are such a a huge brand on a worldwide basis. But even though we keep hearing that, I don't think we capitalise on that either. You know, we don't don't go to Ireland and and engage with our fans in Ireland uh, anywhere near enough. We don't engage with our fans in Australia, America and uh, elsewhere in the world. We just don't do it as a football club. And we should do it a lot, lot better. Uh, but we could probably do several uh, podcasts and broadcasts on that subject, JP. I've run over a wee bit and I, I must apologise. One thing I didn't ask you, though, is you were talking about the charlatans earlier on. Another good Tim on your bookshelf there is Tim Burgess. Mm-hmm. What is your favourite charlatans album? Us and Us Only, 100%. Oh, brilliant, yeah. My, my beautiful friend. Yeah, forever, like, forever, forever impossible, all those. Because uh, I got it uh, just before I went to live in Nice for, for uni. And uh, while I was in Nice, this is pre-Spotify, obviously, all I had was the mini-discs that I had. So I had like 10 or 15 mini-discs. And then it was either that or French radio. And French radio was actually quite enjoyable <laughs> for a laugh, uh, some of the madness that they played. But uh, many this is what I had, and I had, and us and us only was one of those. So I, I talked to him Burgess this other night. Actually, I said that album immediately takes me back to that time. Every time I hear it, and every time I hear a song from it, I just think of living in probably one of the most beautiful places I'll ever live. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I look outside the window and I see grey skies. I bet you in the south of France right now, it's uh, the polar opposite of this. I bet. Even in October, you know, so... Uh, Mr. Nice. I think that was the last great Charlatans album. The one after that was at Wonderland. It came after that, quite mm-hmm. liked it. And then they went through a period of quite a few that I just didn't think hit the mark. I lost a bit of interest at that point. But my favourite is the eponymous al- album, The Charlatans, mm-hmm. which I think came out in 95, 94, 95. Yeah, that was, uh, that's a great album. Yeah, that's a that's a great album as well. I mean, I've, I've been revisiting them recently, obviously, because of this gig coming up. He only played one Charlotte song. He played the only one I know at the end. Uh, was that a one. different version? You know, he's got oh, a, a different arrangement yeah. his band. Yeah. But it was so amazing. Like, I mean, the whole place went mental. And he did that song, Oh My Corazon, which I don't know if you know that. It was a it was a solo effort from a few years ago, which is is a, is a dynamite song as well. So he did that, and uh, Charlotte's are playing. 18th of December at the Academy, that's sold out. Uh, and then, But they're playing the 21st of December at the, it's now called the O2 Academy Edinburgh. 
uh, and they're still tickets for that. So interesting. Yeah. You know, let us indulge each other in our love of music, please. Uh, those who are tuning in for the Celtic chat, we are talking about a Tim, so that that's fine, and it's Tim Burgess. Um, but yeah, please. Oh my God! Like when we get. Oh, you know, that's not been outlawed yet, has it? Well, who knows. I don't find that offensive to be called no. a Tim. Um, so, yeah, thanks, everybody, for getting involved. Make sure you subscribe on a YouTube channel. You need to subscribe to comment. If you just subscribe to make um, schneidy comments and you don't even support Celtic, then you will be blocked. But uh, the vast majority of you are here for the Celtic and the Tim Burgess chat, so that's tremendous. Yeah. Um, so, yes, get involved and... Um, Subscribe because you will be winning prizes. We're giving away a Bobby Lennox signed print, beautifully framed. Got a framers through here in the Lothians that we use, beautifully framed. We've got a signed Danny McGrain jersey. It's the Love Street one, the lime green one that's framed. That's going to be a prize coming up. A signed Bertie Old jersey as well, the great wee man Bertie. So these are things that are going to be given away to all subscribers, not just new subscribers, in the run up to Christmas. So Get involved in that. Um, get involved in axon.net. Get involved in the comment section. And thank you all. Um, thank you. A list of ins and outs should have been drawn up for January. Johnny Ryan, you're right. Uh, I think that Bolingoli, Ayeti, and uh, Barkas must leave the building in January. And I think the accumulation of the wages and any transfer fees that you can get for those three players have to be reinvested in the squad. Uh, because we are lacking in various departments. It's been an absolute pleasure once again to speak to JP Mason. Thank you all for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spaniel. Leto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 
Social Podcast Network. Sports 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 Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.